This is Raphael. And I am Lauren. We're the Pacheco siblings, and welcome to the Hypercube Podcast, a talk show in which two siblings converse about anything and everything. And today, we are joined by our very first guest for the podcast. This came about rather spontaneously. Uh, we are welcoming Rose, or how are you going by? Uh, Cyber Rosaic. Rose is fine. Cyber Rosaic. Rose, yeah, if you've watched Resident Roleplay or some of our other content, you're familiar with her. Mm-hmm. Um, By various other names, such as Ilo or Ilwazmik. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you've changed monikers quite a few times for the, the duration of your interaction with us. Names are hard. I mean, they are, and that's why I just stick with my normal name. <laughs> no, yeah, me too. That's why I stick with my normal name. That's why I... Which oh, I changed legally. <laughs> <laughs> well, technically, I'm not using my legal name either. <laughs> names are hard! I guess that's what we've come back to is names are hard. Yeah. Well, that's, I I talk about this a lot when it comes to identity. The name is the thing that you are like, it's the, it's the thing that is the most you, right? It's like everybody, it doesn't matter what your gender identity is, what your sexual identity is. Like you are your name and your name has to reflect how you feel. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of back and forth about people, especially nowadays who are more open to experimenting with their identity, trying to figure out what name best represents them. But anyways, yeah, you can find her as Cyber Rosaic in most places nowadays. Yes. So I think that's kind of your official moniker now. You think that's settled? I think so. Well, that's good. I hope so. Yeah. As of this podcast, yes. (laughs) It's official. April 2022. What? Yeah. Yeah. That's the date. It's April 2022. In fact, this is April 1st. The 1st of April. So uh, when we're recording this, at least, it'll be a while before you hear it. But nonetheless, hi, April Fools. You got pranked. Happy birthday. This is a short episode and we're not going to cut anything. (laughs) Okay, so some context. Uh, This podcast is being recorded under unusual circumstances. We were in the middle of a recording session directing voiceover with Rose for an upcoming project. Project Clash. Uh, I guess we could say that. Right. That's on the website. Yeah. And we were all together, and so we figured, you know what, we're just about, Lauren and I are just about to go to record the podcast anyway, why don't you join us? So this came about rather spontaneously, but the problem is, it's late at night, and... (laughs) The recording session, and you just ended up hanging out a little longer than we expected to. Yeah, because we're all family here, so this happens. Yeah. Uh, Well, it's morning Australia time, right? Or is it afternoon by Uh, this point for you? It's 2 p.m. Yeah, so either way, it's day for you, it's late at night for us. We are all loopy and <laughs> just... I've been up all day. Well, I had a little bit of a I, I mean, I went to work this morning, so I've been up since like 5.30 in the morning. So it's ridiculous and it's too late and we're going to try and do a short podcast and there's going to be no cuts, basically, is what yeah, we're shooting minimum. for and just getting the raw deal here. So we're just going to try and spitball and do as short of an entry as we can here while still trying to be substantive. Yeah. So we'll see. We've been talking for a while anyway, even <laughs> as at this point. So we're just going to keep it going, which is really the kind of energy we're trying to capture with right. Hypercube is just capturing our regular conversations. Yeah, we want it to feel like somebody started recording in the middle of one of our everyday. Which is often, thankfully, what has seemed to be yeah. happening so yeah. far. Like we've had quite a few podcasts where we've just been in the middle of a conversation and then just started recording. Yeah. like And it, then I do the intro, but then course. we start recording. Yeah. And I, I like it when we can just get going and we're just like, oh, oh. Stop. Stop recording. And then we can continue this this idea. Yeah, basically. The downside is that we end up talking for hours. Basically. Basically. <laughs> but again, we're aiming 
We got a short podcast. We got today. a time limit. We got a time limit on these podcasts, which we've actually been able to maintain fairly well, I think. Most of the time. Most of the time. One went over a bit, but that's okay. Yeah. As long as we could keep it solid and short. Thankfully. For- most times. Thankfully, we're still in our first five podcasts. So yeah, we, we have an established patterns. Yeah, we, we haven't really... You don't know what's supposed to happen yet. <laughs> we All don't right. know what's supposed to happen yet. We have goals, but we haven't seen what actually happens. So since we have this hard time limit, not really a hard time limit, soft time limit, since we're trying to make this short, we're going to try and, uh, like speed I said, no cut special, speed run. Let's speed run it. Let's hit, some, let's hit some topics that we've been meaning to talk about. First off, we've been talking, rather, we've been avoiding talking about the <laughs> yes. 2022 Academy Awards all week because yeah. we were like, we got to save this juicy discussion for the podcast. There is some, there's some juice. Yeah. Well, first off, obviously, we're going to talk about Will Smith. But first, let's just talk about the awards in general, um, because of all the things of this ceremony that doesn't ultimately matter. Those are the things that matter more than the other things. Yes. <laughs> and I have and I have things to say about things that matter and things that happen. <laughs> so anyways, really quick. Uh, Rose, are you familiar with the Will Smith incident? Of course. Who isn't? Okay, okay, just making sure, just making, just, making sure. <laughs> just making sure you're not completely isolated here. Look, I know I'm pretty bad, but the one thing I'm good at is Twitter. <laughs> fair, fair. That is fair. fair. That is fair. Yeah. And also for reference, for, for those who might not be familiar with Rose from our uh, other shows, she is notoriously disconnected from popular culture. <laughs> and specifically film culture. Yeah, specifically film culture. It's okay. We're doing PQ film school, so we're fixing yeah. that gradually. Which Watch that if you haven't already. That's yes. just our basically our masterclass on narrative literacy. Just j- watching movies and showing our process for watching movies. It's right. a fun time. Right. So I guess let's. I just want to hit some major categories. First off, I want to say haven't finished reading the book yet, but I want to watch the movie after I read the book. Dune swept hard. Really? Yeah. Whoa. Dune won uh, six Oscars, I think, in total. Holy! Oh, yeah. Wow. So, yeah. Dune. Wow. Dune did pretty good. And, um, like not not only in technical categories, obviously all pretty much all the technical categories it won I mean, for sound design, that, yeah. VFX, stuff like that. That was that was already gonna be a given. It looked technically yeah uh, proficient. In, well, yeah, and Denis Villeneuve yeah. only directs technically astounding movies, but also cinematography. I think production design as well. It was it was a number of stuff. Mm-hmm. Let me double check since I just have the list in front of me. Yeah, it did win for production design, right? Which is awesome. Um, so best, best picture was a bit of a surprise for me though, because it was one of the films that was completely off my radar and that was Coda. We talked about it right. last time yes. when we were going over the nominees, the child of deaf adults. Yes. Children of death, deaf adults. Yeah. Children of deaf adults. So that's very fascinating. And apparently it's a first, apparently it was a streamed film. Whoa. So it was the first time a streaming film has won the best picture honor. That Ooh. is actually pretty big news. Yeah. That's actually that's huge significant. news because there was a time when the Academy dogmatically denied nominations to films that went up on streaming platforms yeah because they well with with everything that's happening in these last few years that's just more and more becoming obvious that you're gonna you're gonna have to take these uh movies into account or or you're going to have to deny some serious artistry or just be left in the dust and just you know be of interest only to historians because these that's just the future that's just how it is you have to get over it even if you don't think it's like proper heavy air quotes here cinema uh, if, if it isn't if it isn't shown in a cinema then it's not cinema is no longer going to be a valid argument yeah well especially in the past couple of years that we've been through that became more so but i think big platforms like netflix for example and i think amazon also kind of started right. the trend early on with i forgot that film they did with 
Casey Affleck, that one uh, that did pretty decent at the Oscars, of basically making active attempts to pick up distribution for films that the Oscars wouldn't dare exclude. Yeah. Right. They've been doing that with stuff like Martin Scorsese's last piece, The Irishman. Mm -hmm. Right. Like stuff like that. Right. Like the Academy wouldn't dare ignore a film like that. Yeah. And these streaming platforms are now being very deliberate in their strategy of picking up those films for distribution. And it's interesting because basically the way they're doing it is very perhaps casual isn't the right word but it's essentially very casual like you hear martin scorsese talk about the process with that distributor like he said he went with netflix basically this is martin scorsese we're talking about right somebody who's at the top of his game at a huge elite level within the industry very revered as a filmmaker and an artist so he has you know a fair amount of say and he went with netflix to distribute the irishman because he said like that was simply the platform that allowed me the most creative freedom like they just didn't, you yeah. know, interfere like he could have gone with any other distributor, but they all would have had caveats. They all would have, you know, had these limitations or asked them to make sure it's in this direction to be distributor friendly. Mm-hmm. It was just like with Netflix, he could just make the film the way he wanted to make it. Yeah. So and Netflix has been uh, famously like hands off on its content. It will put anything on. There. Yeah, literally anything. They yeah. won't even screen it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you if you go on Netflix and, and read any of like the little like. I don't know, auto-generated description that they have on a, on a lot of their Oh, their movies. little blurbs? The little blurbs. It's just like, they clearly aren't watching half the things they put on there. <laughs> it is true. Um, well, Lauren and I are very passionate about Netflix blurbs because if you actually stop and read some of them, they're so bad. So bad. They're so bad. Like some, in all sorts of different ways, but they're all so bad. Some like of them is, a lot of them. Some of them is like a sentence long. Yeah, well, some of them are straight up spoilers yeah. too. Like I've seen some that like are straight up spoilers. I've seen some that just aren't well written. I've seen some that just don't describe the movie yeah. that it's on. <laughs> like it, like the the movie had a trailer that was intentionally obscure, and they just described the trailer. <laughs> it's like yeah, like I don't know what's going on. <laughs> there's there's a movie. This person's in it. I'm pretty sure. And um, just watch it. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. So Netflix, n- is nonetheless, funny in that way. Yeah. Coda, first. Streamed film to win the best picture honor. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, and also to win. Yeah. Very interesting subject. I think we'll have to probably give that one a look. Cause like I said, that one didn't really cross my radar at all over this past year. Yeah. Which was very shocking to me when I saw it among the nominations, not, no less for best, best picture. So very fascinating. Um, I'll definitely have to look into that further. That requires more research. Obviously every time a James Bond movie comes out, it wins be- it's, it's best original be the best song, music, yeah. best original song. But in the score category, Hans Zimmer won his second Oscar, which is kind of cool. Yeah. I don't know too much about what he decisions he made for Dune, but he literally never does bad work. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So two Oscars for Hans Zimmer. Congrats. Obviously, he has a cubic buttload more on nominations, of but two wins. You know what his first win was? Lion King. Yep. Yeah, pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which... I always forget that he did that movie. Yeah. Well, the reason he made that film was because he looked at all the movies he was scoring and was like, I can't take my children to watch any of these films. <laughs> or it's just like, I, I, I got to do something that I can take my, like my little daughter to watch. And he made, so he made Lion King. Yeah. And then won an Oscar, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, one of the categories for which Dune won was cinematography. I think that's to be dis- expected with Denis Villeneuve films these days. Yeah. Like every time he makes a movie, if you're DPing for Denis Villeneuve, you better be ready to win an Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> right. Keep in mind, the last thing he did before this was uh, Blade Runner 2049. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's oh just my God. visual yeah. masterpieces left and right. 
which Blade Runner 2049 is such a beautiful film. It is. So, just some of it the all, well, best photography or some of the best visual design in a film, period. Yeah, well, I keep saying, like, in every, in every regard, 2049 is a better film to Blade Runner, which isn't, like, that's not saying Blade Runner, the original Blade Runner is bad. It, it is extremely good. It, that's how good 2049 is. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think 2049 has the benefit of being made with intention as exactly. well. And also Whereas, like, the, the original was very organic in the yeah. way it came about, which has its own charm. And definitely contributed to how awesome that film turned out. But when you start with the design principles of imitating yeah. that and doing it deliberately and making more deliberate narrative choices that support it, it turns out you can make something really dope if you have the right artistry behind it, yeah. which they did. If you start with Blade Runner, you will get maximum Blade Runner. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, I guess, I guess it's just, we're just lucky that the original Blade Runner landed where it did because, I mean, there's, there's so many re-edits of that film. It could have gone in a number of different directions. And the, what, what, what we ended up with, I'm glad, inspired what 2049 would become. Yeah. That and, being of course, said, an entire genre of, like, sci-fi and cyberpunk imagery yeah i find i still find it hard to compare the two but i definitely have such a deep love for both those films yeah so you know, and it, interestingly i guess this is something that's been the trend lately is the, the historically best picture and best director have gone hand in hand lately they haven't so same thing this year mm -hmm. coda for best picture the power of the dog for best director or mm -hmm. for the direct directing category to jane campion oh i've heard of that one no not familiar yeah, that's gotten a lot of buzz. Yeah. Um, it looks very good. I've heard nothing but good things after it came off the festival circuit. Mm -hmm. So. I know its name and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Benedict Cumberbatch. We talked about yeah. it the last time we were doing over the nominees uh, in greater length, but yeah. we'll definitely have to watch it at some point. For sure. I, all I know is that every time uh, you talk about it, I go, don't know. Then you, ex you explain something and I go, oh, that one. And then I can immediately forget. I don't know if it's even that much. Well, you said you saw some advertisements for it the last time we talked about it. I'm sure I did. I don't and remember. You said, <laughs> well, you said you didn't, you didn't understand it even when you were watching them. So, <laughs> sure. Man, my class was talking about the one. The director is New, is New Zealander, right? Oh, is she? I, I don't believe know. so. Oh. I mean, uh, apparently New Zealand comes out with good filmmakers. Oh, <laughs> they got, um, okay, a go. Kiwi. <laughs> uh, what's his name? Peter Jackson. Peter Jackson. Peter yeah. Jackson's from New Zealand and famously shot all of the Lord of the Rings trilogy yep. in New Zealand. Beautiful, beautiful scenery. Mm -hmm. Definitely looks like a fantasy land. Yeah. And of course, that's where you get like all the Weta. I was going to say the Weta workshops, but Weta workshop is one. All the Weta shops. Yeah, the, whole, the whole Weta. Weta digital system, Weta workshop. Yeah. Of course, Will Smith won Best Actor in a Lead Role. So I suppose we got to talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> so now, now we're going to come to the elephant in the room. Also, I will just say Jessica Chastain for The Eyes of Tammy Faye won Actress in a Leading Role. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty interesting. I'm not sure for a little bit. I was a little bit surprised that it wasn't Kristen Stewart since she was very heavily favored. And, you know, from my understanding, turned in a very phenomenal performance. Still uh -huh. haven't seen Spencer, but. I guess when I thought about it, because uh, she was also IMDb does this thing, too, where it shows who, the winners versus uh, who IMDb fa users favored to win. Uh -huh. And Kristen Stewart was actually the favorite among IMDb. Uh -huh. So and I mean, yeah, it made me wonder. It seemed like everybody thought she was going to win. But I guess the more I thought about it, the more it makes sense from an industry standpoint, because, again, the politics of how these things work. Jessica Chastain has been, I guess, favored for longer. Right. Like, right, it's just right, she's right. had a number of nominations. She, this is just her finally catching her win whereas Kristen Stewart I think this is her first nomination so can't just yeah. you know give it to them while they're young and still well, still working towards it yeah, whereas Jessica, Jessica Chastain's been on the Academy's eye for a while 
there's a kind of, I think, I don't know, precedent they don't want to set of, I don't, you, you really can't give anybody their first win on their first nomination unless it's extremely special. Yeah. Because otherwise people are going to be like, ah, oh, I got it. Like, that's what I got to uh, match up to is that person put, turned in a performance that won on their first nomination. Yeah. And uh, that being said, yeah, Jessica Chastain, like I mentioned previously when we we're talking about the nominees, looks completely transformative yeah. in that role. So prob- yeah. either one would have been definitely well earned. I'm sure all, all of the acting nominees were. Of course. But I, that's one I'm particularly interested in for a number of reasons as well, especially given the cultural position or dynamics that its mm-hmm. subject is on. I, but, was, I was saying this earlier, uh, at least when it comes to, I mean, all of this is pretty, it's pretty subjective, obviously. Like, these are just a select group of people's taste who obviously have really good taste, but basically getting a nomination at all is a win. Yeah. And then the winner is just whoever has, whoever's the most popular at the time. Okay, so let's talk about the slap. First of all, <laughs> the slapping. So you the said Will Smith won Best Actor. Did he win Best Improv as well? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's what people were saying. Like his performance that night was incredible. I want to talk about. I want to talk about the slap from a screen fighting perspective. <laughs> it's well, real good. Well, here's the thing. So obviously, when I I first heard about it from you, Lauren. Yeah. I actually hadn't hadn't heard about it before that. Well, I'm sure I had. I just it just didn't stand out to me what exactly had happened. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's like oh yeah, so, sure somebody got stopped, whatever. Yeah, but then you're explaining it to me, and I was like, wait. So obviously, my first reaction was was this staged, and apparently that was a lot of people's first yeah. reaction because when you hear it, it sounds like it sounds like it. It is. sounds like a bit. It sounds like a bit. It's freaking Chris Rock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, after reviewing the tapes, <laughs> yeah. I've gone back. I've reviewed the tapes. I've zoomed in, enhanced. Yeah. Um, no, after seeing it for myself, honestly, I mean, there's still a lot of people who are ardently arguing that it is completely staged and planned. Yeah. But from what I've gathered, just as a completely outside opinion, just looking at the whole scenario, it really does seem like it was a spontaneous occurrence. Yeah. Um, and like, like if it was planned, there were a number of things that would have gone a lot differently, I feel like. Well, just from a production standpoint. If it, if it was planned, we, the aftermath that we are currently seeing would look a lot different because yeah. uh, things would be falling into place a lot faster. Things would be moving a lot quicker. Like you'd, you'd see a lot of stuff happen in the industry because that would have been, that would have been a, a planned right. event, right? That well, would have been basically a stunt. And then everything would have fallen into place after that. We would have seen the fallout over the days after. Basically wash it back into, okay, this was just a thing. Yeah. But it is, it's, it's still going. Like, it is still hot. It, it, it and that's, still is. That's the, the, the leading uh, factor that I think is leading me to believe this was extremely, it wasn't, I don't think it was genuine still, but it was not planned. Well, yeah. And well, I think the giveaway, most of all, is that if it were planned, I don't think they would have cut to a commercial break. You know what I mean? Exactly. That's true. They would have, they would have aired all of the drama that came afterwards. Yeah. Instead of leaving that to the vultures, which well, is what's depends. currently happening. It depends because other outlets are getting the scoop. I don't know. With current media strategy, would that just be something that they would do? Oh, shoot. Manufactured viral sensations. Manufactured viral sensations are just like, okay, we're going to have people in specific you know, seats. That's who, true. Specific who, press and specific seats. You yeah. will be able to record what happens after we cut the feed. Exactly. So and it's then like, they could upload it uncensored because they're not on television. Exactly. So it's like we're going to we're going to stage this event. And of course, again, I, I don't think this is what happened, but that would be something that they can do is just that make is sure true. press is exactly where they need to be. You just like, you know, sit them in their seats when that happens immediately cut and just let them film. Don't don't take away their phones. Don't do anything. Don't like don't give any announcements of just like. Please, you know, turn off your, your, your cell phones or whatever. Mm-hmm. Just let them do 
and then let them quote heavy air quotes leak all that back on online and yeah do that's you true to do. that's true that's i suppose that's not outside the realm of possibility in this day and age yeah. but nonetheless i maintain that it probably isn't staged just from yeah. again this is just from what i can gather as a completely still outside perspective i was not in the room but yeah and i'm not so entrenched in the industry who who was that actress I, I i know i know her i don't remember i don't know her name the actress who was sitting next to him where after he, he gets slapped he's just like Ooh. <laughs> oh, I'm pretty face. sure. I'm pretty sure That's... that was uh, the one who's sitting behind Will Smith. Yeah, uh, it looks like it looked like that was Lupita Nyong'o. That's her name. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure that was her. Because her her reaction is priceless. That is yeah. honestly the best Watching, part of that. Yeah, video. if you if you watch her in the background, just react to the whole thing in real time. Yeah. It's amazing. Just like the slap <laughs> happens, she's like, oh, big white eyes. Just like keep my wife's name, and her eyes just get bigger, <laughs> and she's just like, oh, like oh, this is front this row is for real. <laughs> Well, I guess, uh, yeah, I guess to briefly review what the occurrence was, though, uh, in case somebody's approaching this podcast generations after and is completely (laughs) without context. Right. How would you describe the order of events here? All right. Chris Rock. So so do you want to do we want to go factual or do you want to go kind of joking? (laughs) Uh, Let's let's do let's report this report. Report the facts. All right. So uh, Chris, Chris Rock, it was the host. I believe he was. I think he was just uh, bantering at that point. I don't know if yeah, he was actually yeah, like, he was presenting just doing, anything. Doing a roast, yeah. Yeah, he was just bantering. He was just, you know, uh, talking about everything, uh, setting up everybody to get into the actual nominations. Uh, he makes some, he pokes some fun at a lot of the people who were nominated, and I think there was some. There's a pretty funny interaction between Javier Bardem and he says his wife, which is kind of sucks because, like, it, you know, kind of belittling the uh, the other gender in that situation. But reporting, so uh, he yeah, he's poking fun. Then he he hits uh, Will Smith's wife. And then Will Smith did not like that, walked up on stage, right hand across the face, sits back down, and then a shouting match ensues, cut to, cut to commercial break. Well, they cut to commercial break before the shouting match. Oh, did they? Okay. Yeah, all the, all the uh, interaction from the Will Smith shouting at him and whatnot was recorded by other press after. Ah, so at what point did they cut? Because um, um, it's pretty much they, like right after the slap and just Will Smith so like, goes so back to take his seat. So well, they Chris didn't Rock, catch Chris Rock's... Chris Rock says like one thing before they cut to commercial So break. I was going to say, if they cut right after Chris Rock says, greatest night in television, that would have been that, a late, that, 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 that Yeah, that was not... That was not uh, televised at all. That sucks, because that would have been great. That would have been. <laughs> Greatest night in television. Cut. Can we talk yeah. about... Well, especially because that's after all the swearing happens, and that's they can't true. air that. That's Can true. we talk about how quickly Chris recovered from that slap? Yeah. So <laughs> oh, he took it like a champ. I was going to say, consummate professional. Yeah, consummate professional. Chris Rock's conduct in the whole situation was actually pretty a pretty master class yeah. in... Well, a just like filling that kind of job position, right? But also, yeah, just like his whole his whole charisma and the way the decisions he made and the way he handled it, yeah, was just perfect. He definitely came out on top in every regard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there are so many ways you could drop the ball if you're on the receiving end like that. Right. There's so many ways you can drop the ball or endanger your career or do something you'll of later course. regret. And he handled it just about as well as he possibly could have. Yeah. That being said, I think the way I sort of interpret events. Here's my personal view on the matter. The way I see it, this was actually a pretty clear-cut case, or I should say classic case, of just random violence. Yeah. Like the kind that you might see just anywhere on the streets. Yeah. It's literally just, because if you look at the playback, right, it's mm-hmm. the Chris Rock pokes this G.I. Jane joke yep. at Jada Pinkett Smith. Right. And uh, In poor taste. In poor taste, sure. But, you know, it's equal opportunity roasting, as of he's course. been doing. And Will Smith laughs at the joke. Yeah. Well... Yeah, go on, go on. <laughs> Will Smith laughs at the joke, and 
we don't see what happens between cutaways. Right. But they cut to Will Smith. He's laughing at the joke. They cut away. Next time we cut to Will Smith, he's walking up to the stage yeah. and smacking Chris Rock. Because you could see in the cut with Will Smith laughing that Jada Pinkett Smith is not laughing. Is not. And she, well, she's, I think she's visibly rolling her eyes. Yeah, visibly rolling her eyes. Yeah. So it's a fair assumption. It is an assumption, but it's a fair assumption right. that at some point in between those cuts, Will Smith saw that Jada was not laughing. Yeah. My, so again. And I, I think at that point, you know, he just activates and does the, uh, the manly thing. Yeah. Quote, air quotes. Yeah. And uh, just goes and smacks the aggressor. Right. So here's my interpretation of events. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're doing detective work. Here. <laughs> Uh, mostly inside your it, it criminal is, mind it is mostly the, uh, the the same obviously there is just the classic instance yeah. of random violence because like that is a classic setup for random violence like in say various social settings like yeah. a bar or a party or what have you yeah it's just just don't, you know don't talk about my mother or yeah. wife or sister or brother or just don't talk don't talk about anybody who's related to me <laughs> but my my interpretation of events is uh, he, he poked that joke will smith Found it funny, looked at his wife and was like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was. That's basically what I was kind of getting yeah. at as well. Or at least that's yeah. where my mind went was he, 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 and he, he had to redeem escalated. Himself. Yeah. In order yeah. to redeem himself in the eyes of his wife. Yeah. Because he, when you see him walking back after he slaps Chris Rock, he is holding in a smile. He is, <laughs> he is holding in a laugh because, first of all, um, I don't think Will Smith meant that slap. It was mostly... Again, I want to talk about that slap in terms of a screen fighting <laughs> because uh, the, the, the dynamics of that slap are hilarious. As in like the aerodynamics. <laughs> as, as in like the, the kinetic uh, physical movements that he, that he performed. Like that, it's, it's a good slap for Oh, now television. we're into technique. <laughs> it's a good slap for television. The, the hand moves across the face. He moves away from the body. So like there's not a lot of impact coming in. But anyways, whatever. Yeah, it's good screen fighting slap. It looks like it hurt a lot this uh, sounded like it hurt a lot on that yeah. love mic yeah i mean I, yeah, those, it, it, it sounded like one of those slap punches well that's the thing uh i think the, the love mic did get bumped which okay. really helps sell it i don't think he got hit that hard i i genuinely think it was just a show of just like i'm just gonna slap him walk back and then it ended up being a lot worse than he actually intended i i don't think he intended it to be as bad as he as it ended up being right yeah but still kudos to chris rock for taking that like a yeah. champ like he's just and he just, you know, the way he kind of rolls with it and makes it seem literally, like it's part of the show. Literally rolling with the punches. Yeah, literally rolling <laughs> with the punches. But you got to be ready to do that. Yeah. You got to be ready to do that when you're in that line of work. But yeah, yeah, he handles it very professionally. Yeah. Again, I, I, I don't think that was a scripted moment. Obviously, that, that was entirely spontaneous. I also don't think it was genuine. Yeah. I also don't think that was as violent as it seems. As violent as it was, in, as it was intended to be. It was just, I'm like, I'm going to walk up. And, you know, defend myself. Bam. And then I think his blood just got elevated. And it was like, okay, now I have to like double down and defend myself, basically. It's like for why I just committed this act of violence on television. Right, right, right. And so he's walking back, smiling. And then we hear him next. If you watch any of the footage that's, that was apparently not on television. I didn't see the cuts of what was on TV and what wasn't. Yeah. So all I, I get this all at the same time. Mm. He's suddenly like shaking and angry. Mm. So I think a lot of that is just he gets up, he's, he slaps him. His adrenaline spikes, and he's like, "Oh no! I basically just committed a crime on TV." Right. I needed, I like, I no, need did, to, yeah, yeah, straight up did. Yeah. I think at that at that point, he he gets into like self defense mode of like the only thing that I can do to defend myself is playing like the the man card, right? Of right. just I am defending my wife. Right. But I don't think he intended it to be that. I think he just intended to like you know walk up, smack him, walk back, and just a funny thing. Right. But, 
<laughs> then he ended up smacking the heck out of him. <laughs> I remember seeing um, someone, I assume an experienced animator, uh, marking like the dynamic lines in the process of the slap. Like strong line here, excellent <laughs> contrast, nice cloth, good contrast in lines of action. Right. Like, <laughs> right, right. The whole slap. Is that the one you sent in the other yeah. chat? <laughs> yeah. We'll, uh, we'll link it in the show notes so you can see what she's talking about. But yeah, yeah, that's Se- pretty funny. Secondary action. <laughs> but, but that's the thing. Like, if you, look at, uh, if you look at a lot of the stills, right, you can see that Will Smith is leaning away from the punch or slap, open-handed slap, because th- is, there is a legal distinction between a closed hit fist and an open-handed uh, strike. Ooh. That's things that you learn in like, self-defense of whether you, sh- you punch with an open hand or not, mm-hmm. um, because it's, there is a legal distinction. But yeah, he, like, he's leaning away, so a lot of his energy is not going forward into the slap. He's not trying to hurt him. And he is going across the body, which is good uh, showman, which is good, you know, screen fighting, right? Right, right. We talked about this. If Still he, in the frame. Yeah. If you wanted to really slap the heck out of him, his arm would be going towards him. Yeah. Like forward. Forward, which would hurt the receiving person a lot more, but would not read as well on camera. So he's going across the face. So across the body, there's a lot, there's a strong line of action and it's, he's leading away. He doesn't plant. So he's not obviously drawing a lot of the energy that as much energy as he would if he wanted to physically hurt this person. So my opinion is that it was supposed to be a lighthearted slap and he accidentally smacked the heck out of him. <laughs> Just gave full force. Yeah. But and full well, force, which ended up being like, you know, 25% of what he could do. Right. I'm sure Will Smith knows how to punch. Well, uh, he played Muhammad Ali at some point, so he knows how to punch. That's fair. But I mean, I don't know, because like he's had a very long career and it's very conceivable that <laughs> this, that the like screen fighting technique is just his instinct at this point. You know <laughs> what I mean? Fair. Like, like that scene from the guild where right. the stuntman has to fight and he's, he's like just punching like, and I gotta, re- I gotta recalibrate. Yeah. <laughs> he's punching and catching nothing but air, but it looks great. Yeah. Like Yeah, it could be it could be that. It's conceivable Maybe. that that's just the Maybe. only the only thing he knows anymore is, yeah. is screen fighting technique. But I genuinely I genuinely don't think that was the intended outcome. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah. But yeah, and I think he's dealing with the fallout of all of that, all of it. So we'll see where that goes. But I don't really care. It was entertaining. Yeah. Well, apparently, I just saw this this Twitter headline right before we started recording. Apparently, that he withdrew from the Academy. Yeah, yeah. Apparently. So uh, does he give his Oscar back? <laughs> I don't know. Few people do. Well, here's the thing. So the the Oscars, because at one point somebody tried to sell their Oscar mm-hmm. because they fell on hard times. Yeah. So ever since then they've instituted a rule where you can't sell your Oscar except back to the Academy yes. for $1. Yeah. Um, because the Oscar shouldn't be, the, the trophy isn't what's worth. It, yeah. Basically that's what yeah. the statement is, yeah. is that it's, it's the prestige, not the, and so, you know, you, the only way you can basically get rid of it is to make, you know, is yeah. they're, they're saying it has to be a statement for you to want to do it. Exactly. So that being said, I, I don't think they've, Ever, I don't think there's any precedent for rescinding an Oscar. Yeah, so we'll we'll see. We're, we're, we're gonna, gonna have see. to pry it off his cold dead body. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna see because like I saw somebody put this uh word it this way in a comment that really really sells like the importance of what ha- what like what happened like in the industry right like when you talk right. about like Will Smith slapped Chris Rock those are two names but like when you break it down to like positions what happened was and he slapped a host well an employee of the Academy slapped. Or no, was it an employee? Uh, well, yeah, a guest slapped an employee of the Oscar, uh, employee of the Academy, and the Academy awarded the aggressor. Right, yeah. And it's like, that's some canceling like, material right there. People <laughs> have been canceled for far less than that. Yeah, yeah. But it's just weird because of the cultural dynamics that are at play right. in that scenario, right? You don't, it's hard to see it in those terms, but if you really take a 
step back and objectively evaluate what actually just happened and break it down into general industry terms, right? In general economic terms, that's basically what happened. Right. And that's, you know, not good. No. <laughs> at all. It's not what they would call a good look. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not what the kids these days would, would call. So there's that. That being said. Apparently he made a formal apology. He did, yeah. Well, everybody had to do their... Yeah fire extinguishing after the fact that's just a matter of course that's just pr yeah that I, in my experience those things don't really mean anything they're just things you have to do yeah but provided by his lawyer i'm assuming probably yeah possibly not even written by him but it's just here's the right thing to say here's everything that needs to be heard for me to continue yeah. to possibly ever be employable well <laughs> if if you if you hear the uh, news of somebody making a formal apology and then no more news about that apology afterwards that was not written by them because usually <laughs> somebody uh, makes their own apology it's there usually is some kind of backlash of just like wait but how come he didn't apologize for this or that wasn't a real apology or all this other stuff but if if, they, if it was a good apology and it hit all the bases that that's a pr move by their agent or their lawyer or everybody who's just saying this is the, the next thing you need to do to keep your job right mm. and make sure that nobody's gonna come down on you harder than they have to. Then they, they legally have to. Yeah. Because well, if you don't hear anything afterwards, then the apology was well-crafted. Mm-hmm. Well, he got his first Oscar, though. <laughs> yeah, well, well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> so, yeah, that was basically the most exciting thing that happened at the Oscars. Yeah. Uh, I think that's all I got for the Academy Awards. Rose. That went a bit a little, a little longer than I was expecting, but... You have anything, uh, anything else to say about the slap? Nothing else about the slap. But I do have something about the Oscars. Oh, what do you gotta say? They insulted animation again. Did they? Did they? Yeah, they were like, oh, animation's for kids. Adults have to put up with it. I mean, yeah, they, they do do that sometimes. Well, have you seen that mini documentary that I keep telling you about, Life After Pi? Yeah. You keep, you keep telling me I need to watch it. You need to watch that. Um, it's a very great mini doc that basically explores... Well, it's about the... I don't think I've talked with you about it, Rose. It's about the studio the vfx studio that won the oscar for best visual effects for the film life of pi uh, which is a very vfx heavy film um, but very artistically rendered very photorealistic vfx in it excellent stuff but it was yeah it won the oscar for best vfx and the vfx studio that headed the visual effects for that project closed down for uh, due to bankruptcy shortly thereafter how'd that happen well, so, that, that's what this mini doc is about. And it, it explores that VFX studio and all the dynamics that went into their closing. But mostly it's generally about the way VFX artists are seen and portrayed by the industry. Yeah. And the sheer lack of respect yeah, that they're... they get. And it's, it's kind of staggering how much the industry generally looks down their nose at VFX and at animation and at things like that. Yeah, like... They're they're all extremely skilled artists, but within the within the like the internal politics of the system of studio films, they're basically treated like unskilled labor. Basically, yeah. So, you know, which is a shame. And I hope and I think things like honestly, things like what Corridor Crew is doing on their channel, especially with the React series yeah. and things of that nature, I think is hopefully something that can help change the cultural dynamic yeah. around that because now people are starting to well the public at least is starting yeah. to get a general investment in vfx artists and the kind of work they do as well as a better knowledge of it and how much work goes into it right and hopefully 
And as we're seeing, that's making waves in the industry because they're getting a lot of yeah. big industry guests on that. So what I'm hoping is that that platform enables people to uh, people in the industry to kind of change that cultural dynamic or at least change the way they look at right. people in those jobs. But I think what VFX artists and animators have in their favor, though, is that at least they're not stunt people. Yeah, stunt <laughs> at people least they have dark. at least they have an Oscar category. <laughs> yeah, that's literally yeah. their only con- consolation. By, by the time I get into in, into the industry, I want to at least be able to get a nomination. <laughs> yeah, which we have all sorts of thoughts on how stunts are seen in the industry and yeah. how unappreciated they are. Like the fact that they don't have an Oscar category even at this point even after a lot of SAG-AFTRA marches and, you know, uh, a lot of people really gunning for it and really pushing for that to be a thing, still hasn't happened. And there have been, which is a shame, because, like, in the past 10 years, there could have been some extraordinary nominees in that category. Well, like, the the Raid, both of the Raid movies came out in these past 10 years, right? The John Wick franchise was created in these past 10 years. Yeah, pu- like, there's, that is just chock full of stunt people. Yeah. And that, that, like, that is, the whole movie was made by stunt people almost. Yeah, directed by stunt yeah. people. It's just, yeah, extraction, films like that, another film directed by right, a stunt right. person that has extraordinary stunt work. Like, there could have been so many extraordinary nominees for films that wouldn't otherwise get recognized. And I think this is part of the issue too, where, and I think some of the Corridor guys have talked about this as well, is the fact that, the Academy just has a really hard time or the industry in general has a really hard time recognizing blockbusters, right? Which of course, you know, I get it like artistry, all that, like blockbusters are pretty cookie cutter material. They're more commercial than they are artistic. I agree with that, but there are still elements of them that can be recognized, especially as far as craftsmanship goes. And there's a lot that awards uh, organizations just don't know what to do with them. Uh, for example, you know, they were talking about like with some of these Marvel movies, right? The Marvel movies, the MCU films generally get nominated for best visual effects. Mm-hmm. But you look at something like Spider-Man No Way Home, which basically single-handedly revitalized the theater industry by right. deciding <laughs> not to go to streaming for the first time since the onset of the pandemic for an MCU film. Yeah. So basically it, and it made over a billion dollars. It just super revitalized cinema in the broader culture. We still have to see that. We still don't say that out loud. Mm. <laughs> well, maybe we do have to make some cuts, <laughs> <laughs> but literally the only thing they can nominate it for is best visual effects. Yeah. So they're just like as good visual effects, I guess. Yeah. But, because you know, everything else is not uh, worthy of our, of our attention. Right. But that's still an achievement, you yeah. know what I mean? And that's the thing is they did a thing a while back where they made uh, they were proposing a best popular film category. Yes. Now, which that's that's, that's a little controversial. It was very controversial. It was so controversial that they uh, canceled that. They're yeah, immediately. Like, immediately. They're just like, never mind. We're not doing that. <laughs> but here's the problem is I think I get what they're trying to do. Yeah. They just chose the worst possible name for it. Popular movie? Best popular movie yeah. is such a stupid name. They could have just gone with Blockbuster. It should. I think what they needed was a best Blockbuster category. Yeah. And I think that's what they were trying to do. Just some <laughs> thing. <laughs> I, I, I'm trying not to use mean words here. <laughs> Someone at somewhere, at some level in the Academy 
said, let's call it best popular movie. And it was it was dead from that moment <laughs> onwards. It was it would never see the light of day. Yeah. Right. Because it's because there's just so many legitimate critiques that could be leveled against yeah. a, even a category name like that. Yeah. Right. Well, like people say, it's like, what does that make best picture then? Like the best, best movie? movie. Yeah. That nobody saw. Like there's, it's just, yeah. it's but, such a stupid name for yeah. a category. It, it is, it is obvious. The intent behind it is obviously a little bit condescending, condescending. Like, yeah, you, you can tell whoever named that was unintentionally condescending. And like, it just shows the kind of mentality that these people have towards those movies. Yeah. So, it was just an awful deal all the way around. So that was obviously never going to happen. Yeah. But what they needed was a best blockbuster category. And I think that was supposed to be it. That was just somebody it. screwed the pooch on the name and basically eliminated all possibility of a best blockbuster category. And so that's the thing is like these roller coaster movies say what you might about them artistically. They do have a place in the broader culture. And yeah. there is a certain amount of recognition that I think we need to have for what they represent just yeah. as event roller coaster yeah. movies. Like if you look at the Transformer and, series, by no means those are good movies. That is not cinema. But they are not bad. Yeah, like they're not yeah. terribly made you films. Can, you like can watch them people. and have and take away a lot of entertainment from those. Yeah. And which I I have a lot to say about in general as well, right? Like I think there's this general artistic aversion to escapism. Yeah. Right? Where and granted, yeah, I would agree that good art will uh, ground you in reality and can, you know, show you uh, experiences and expand your empathy to experiences that are beyond your own. I think that's a, one of the strongest purposes of art. But I always stop sh short and I always hesitate to condescend towards escapism in the same way that a lot of other art-oriented people yeah. do, because I think there is a place for escapism. I think there is a value in that that we're completely disregarding if we eliminate any respect for it entirely. And so I feel like blockbusters, yeah, artistically, you can't compare them to films that are just trying to tell a good story. Yeah. But you can compare them to one another, and that's why you need their own category. Yeah, well, there is a, when it comes to, you know, expanding your empathy and understanding different, you know, points of view, that is a very serious human emotion, empathy, uh, that... You, you, that has to be practiced, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the problem is that's not the only human emotion that we can feel. Right. Adrenaline is a very real thing that, that sometimes you just want to feel. Sometimes you just want to go out and just like, you know, run around and scream at the top of your head and just feel like your blood pumping. Getting that in a movie is a valid reason to watch a movie. You, yeah. you can go to a movie and want to, want to laugh and want to cry and want to be excited. It's just that for some reason, we put more value on, or rather... You put less value on certain emotions and certain things. Right. I think that, and I think a lot of that just has to come with, again, a little bit of an ignorance of how our brains work in the general popular understanding of like mental health and all this other stuff. Like having a, an expansive vocabulary, emotional vocabulary will include things like pure adrenaline and just having that adrenaline rush and just wanting to be excited for like half an hour or for half an hour, it's a short movie, for, <laughs> for, for two hours, just going in and just being fun yeah that is not that is not any worse it's just different right and of course you can't do that well as well like, yeah like because the difference between well, john wick and yeah yeah uh, and you know well, case in point right there yeah. have been blockbuster films that are incredibly uh, artistic and have an incredible amount of of merit in even the traditional regard i think the case in point i suppose from this last decade for me would be mad max fury road yes that's right? art that is high art 
yeah. but it's also That's an action painting. blockbuster, right? Yeah. It would be the only film that would have qualified in both categories <laughs> if they had them. Yeah. Because <laughs> it was a Best Picture nominee, right? Straight yeah. up Best Picture nominee in an academy that looks down upon blockbuster films. So Best Picture nominee, and it could have been a Best Blockbuster nominee yeah. you know, if they had that category. Like, incredible, incredible film. Just absolutely breathtaking storytelling. And also just an adrenaline thrill ride. Like it is that film is an experience. Rose, that will be a special day when we do that on PQ Film School <laughs> for you to finally see it. Because yeah. there there's still, to my mind, no other film that I can compare Fury Road to. You know what I mean? Isn't that's it, just one of those films that's a singularly unique yeah. experience that you go into and just come out changed. It's in a category completely on its own because anything that oh, it does so much so well all in the same movie. There are a few movies that you can compare in certain aspects, but not the whole thing. Yeah. And it's just it's just nonstop cinema, really, yeah. from start to finish. And but also just great, phenomenal action and character work and just everything, everything about it. Just mm, it's mm. max. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. I just want to watch Fury Road again. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, this has gone on longer than I was expecting. So this was supposed to be episode. a quickie, but now it's a regular episode. <laughs> Dang it, Chris Rock. <laughs> Look what you've done to us. Dang it, Oscars. Blame the victim. <laughs> so, uh, I suppose that's it. Anything else you want to add, Rose? I don't think so. All righty. Well, let's wind this down to a close. Thank you all very much for listening. Our guest for this episode has been Cyber Rosaic. This show is edited by Lauren Pacheco, mixed by Rafael Pacheco with theme music by Mono Memory. You have been editing the last couple of episodes. Yes. I also realized when uploading the last ones that I, I totally haven't been crediting you I completely, this whole time. I, I, I edited this last episode and I, I, I tried to remind myself, all right, tell Raph to fix the credits because I'm editing this and I'm hearing Raph saying edited by yeah, Raph yeah, yeah, and yeah. I'm like, something's wrong about this. <laughs> no, yeah, I put it, I, I, it's, in the, it's in the metadata, yeah. but we did not get audio clips for it. But Lauren has been editing since like episode three. Three. Yeah, three onward. You should have just, like, at some point, Raph saying Lauren Pacheco, like, cut that and put it in place of Raphael Pacheco. <laughs> <laughs> you could. Just chop it up. But you wouldn't have edited by and then mixed separately, because I was doing edited <laughs> and mixed by is the way I was saying it. Either way, I could have cut it up, fam. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever the case may be, thank you all very much for listening. Till next time, we'll see you all later. God bless. Adios. Is this your outro now? <laughs> All right, so oh, no, before we end, before we end, before we end, I, I decided, I forgot to tell you, I decided in my mind, on every single episode, I'm going to have a different outro. All right. So we're going to do that. Expect a inconsistent outro, which would be my consistent outro.